Cool. Welcome, everybody. Hello. Welcome to 2022. I'm standing on Isaiah 2222. Not 2022, I'm standing on Isaiah 2222. That he who, he who holds the keys, that is Jesus. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. He's the one that holds the keys. And when standing on Isaiah 22:22, amen? Hey, come. Okay, so this morning we just want to get into the Word. It's a little bit different because um, I've been sitting with the Lord over the past few weeks um, about some things that were on His heart for me to share as we ended 2022. So um, I do have some copies of, um, of what I've put down. Um, so if you'd like a copy, um, grab one. I've only done 30, so if more than 30 go, then I can photocopy some more or we can send it out with a weekly email, maybe. But if you're like me, I'm old school. I like a bit of paper so I can scribble. Does anyone else still like paper so you can scribble as opposed to that electronic thing that you go, what? Yeah, good. So um, grab a copy if you need one. Oh, there goes the first one already. Oh, there goes the first two. You don't even know what it says yet. So, Father, we want to thank you for your kindness and your goodness. We want to thank you that you're leading us forward, that these are days of overcoming, that these are days of breakthrough, that these are days of kingdom advancement, that we don't tune into the, to the, to the voice of the world, that we tune into the voice of your spirit. And so, God, we want to thank you that you are so good and you are so kind. We thank you for the creativity. We thank you for the inventions. We thank you for the new blueprints. We thank you for the new ideas. We thank you for the things that, Lord, that you will speak out through over this year, God, because you are leading us more and more into your promises to be your people that demonstrate your kingdom, your love, your power. But Lord, that we would truly move in to be the church that is the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We want to thank you. God, that you are leading us by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen? I just want to say that, hey, I really feel that. You know, I was talking to someone from Tasmania on the phone yesterday, and they were just said, you know, and we were just talking about stuff in the nations. And, you know, I, I said, I, I have this unshakable hope that is in my spirit that we're going to see breakthrough. I have this unshakable hope, and it has to be unshakable, unshakable because otherwise you go, oh, well, what's the point? But I have this unshakable hope that comes from God. That's why it's unshakable. The things of the earth can be shaken, but the things of the kingdom cannot be shaken. So if you're carrying an unshakable hope, it's from God. If you're carrying an unshakable joy, it's from God. And I just remember that I forgot something. It's really important that we do this. I'm going to have to wait a minute now. But it's birthday season. Well, it always is birthday season. For those that are visiting us today, we uh, celebrate certain birthdays. And one of the birthdays that we celebrate is when someone turns 18. We've got someone this week that's turned 18, and we've got someone next week who turns 18. So bucket today and bucket next week. Someone also told me that it's Roy's birthday today, but he's not here, and it's Rachel's birthday today. Is that right? Bless you. Good. Awesome. We're just going to just hang for one tick. Yeah, I just, yeah. I, when I, it was when I saw him walk there. Maybe we might do it after. 
What do you reckon? Oh, you just got your money out. Let's surprise him. Let's surprise him. No, no, let's, let's not do that. We'll just wait. You can, you can hold on to your money. So, yeah, so we just bless, we just bless people with a gold coin offering, but many people seem to put in notes and say they're really, really blessed. Uh, but we just bless people and we bless our young people when they turn 18. What a great age, eh? I remember what it was like when I was 18. I thought, oh, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> yeah, it's a while ago because I turned 48 this week, so 30, it'll be 30 years ago. Yeah, I remember. Oh, here he is. Sam Kavanagh, come on down. Come on. Bless you, man. You're going to stand right up there front and centre and people are going to come and bless you. There you go. They're going to bless you with an offering. Sam's just about to get his driver's licence, so that'll pay his tank of petrol. Bless you. Isn't it good to be family and be able to bless one another? Amen. Awesome. Bless you too. Here comes the cue, Sam. Oh, your dad gave you an offering too. Wow. Out of mum's wallet. Oh. Oh, and mum's coming. That is awesome. <laughs> Next week, Katie... Katie Abel turns 18. So we're going to have another bucket next week. Bucket this week, bucket next week. My beautiful wife has a birthday this week as well. Celebrate her, hey. She, she often gets overlooked, I reckon. But she's like a rock in our household. Bless you, mate. No worries. Oh, hang on. Sam, there's one, there's one more coming. Jesus, come. Good boy. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, so as I was uh, last week about, um, you know, unshakable faith was last week. Make sure your roots are going deep in, in Christ. Amen. Make sure you, your roots are going deeper and deeper and deeper into Christ. It's really, really important because that's where things become unshakable. Amen? You think about the people in Scripture who had a word or who had a dream or who had a vision and some of them had to wait 20 years or 30 years or even 40 years for it to manifest. Just think about the unshakable faith, the unshakable hope, the unshakable joy that they had. Amen? You know, I really believe, if I can be a little bit blunt, that the the modern-day church is, is a little bit shallow. And God is asking us to go deeper. Deeper with Him, deeper in our walk with Him, and deeper with, with one another, deeper in every way. He's asking us to go deeper. Amen? So the first thing that the Lord was speaking to me this year is that this is about a year of family and the second part, which is important, about returning to true discipleship. 
So we've spoken a lot about family because family is really important. The generations. We fight for the generations to be together. You know, the world wants to separate the generations because the young and the old don't coexist. Well, yes, they do in the kingdom of God. Grandparents, parents, and kids are all needed in the kingdom of God. Amen? So we fight for those things. It's really important. But there has to be a shift. There has to be a shift from just attending church to actually being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen? Right across the, the Western church particularly, there has to be a shift from just attending church to actually being a disciple of Jesus Christ. We have to go deeper. We have to, we have to live out what we sing. I just want you. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. Is that just words or is that the echo of our heart that goes, there's nothing else. I just want you. Because the Spirit of God is moving to restore and reconcile. Which is really interesting, isn't it? Because the enemy is seeking to divide. Everything that's happening, that the enemy is seeking to, to uh, divide. I was speaking to my friend in Tassie yesterday, and you know he was talking about division in the church down there as well. And it's just like, it's got to stop. We have to stand against the division. We have to stand against the segregation. Because the, the Lord's heart is to restore and reconcile. That is the good news of the gospel. It's part of the good news of the gospel. The gospel of the kingdom is restoration and reconciliation to God, but also to one another, irrespective of where we come from. And even irrespective of doctrine and theology. Can we put Jesus in the center? Because you know what? I used to believe certain things that I don't believe anymore because the Lord showed me in the Word that they weren't. I was born and raised in an environment, in a church environment where they're speaking in tongues, was of the devil. So if, he, so if there was any shakarabaki, rabasundorabake, you know, I, w- I would hightail straight out of there because these people were of the devil. That's what I was told to believe. And then I started to read Scripture. Well, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and then I started to read Scripture. And it says this, that the speaking of tongues is for the edification for the building up. Did you know that praying in the Spirit is part of the armor of God? You know, because if we just talk about the, the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes of peace and the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, and we stop there, we've missed part of the full armor because that's only six, and six is the number of man. To have the full armor of God is number seven. That is to pray in the Spirit. And seven is the number of God. You see... So, but can we put Jesus in the middle? The enemy is always wanting to segregate people, always wanting to cause division, always wanting to do that. But God is wanting to bring his people together. Is there an amen to that? Can we put on love? That's what the Word of God says. Above all, put on love, which covers a multitude of sin. Because the phrase that God gave me for this year is that God wants to use family to reach families. He wants to use family to reach families. It's going to take a mum and a dad, and it's going to take kids to use family to reach family. And then as you reach family, then you need to bring them into the family. Amen? That's what it is. That's what true discipleship is. I wrote here, this is the key for our nation. Oh, actually, maybe I should read parts of it. Should I do that? I'm just, I'm off with the, I'm just going off in a good way. 
Where the enemy is thought to divide and separate, the Lord is highlighting family, both in the natural and the spiritual. The church has been in the shallows, but God is calling his people into deep relationship in order to see a full restoration of family. There is a shift happening where merely attending church will no longer become the norm because hearts will be moved more and more and people will want to be part of a family that is family and reaches others with the love of God to bring them into family. Amen? The Spirit of God is moving to reconcile and restore the family unit in the natural and the spiritual. So be open to what the Lord desires in you and through you. Ask the Lord to highlight anything that needs to shift in you so that you can fully enter into family. And that's part of it. Is there anything in me that I'm carrying that is stopping me from connecting and entering into family with other people? Is there, a, is there a spirit of refe- uh, offense? Is there a spirit of unforgiveness? Is there a religious spirit from the past? Whatever it may be, we need to get rid of that to enter into the fullness of God's purposes. For this is the key for our nation that has so long and so long has operated under an orphan spirit. And I'll speak about that in a minute. This move of God containing His presence, His glory and His power will be wrapped in love through family. It is the only way that it can be sustained. It cannot be sustained by weekly meetings or events or programs or structures. The only way this move of God can be contained, um, oh sorry, sustained is through family wrapped in love. It's agape love. You cannot confine agape love to a program or to an event. Agape love can be manifested through a program, e.g. the team going out to feed the homeless, all those that have nowhere to live at this point in time. That's agape love wrapped, uh, that's agape love being manifested, but it cannot be contained. It can't hold it. Because God is calling his people back to true discipleship. And this is where the rubber meets the road for each and every one of us, hey? Because sitting in front of a screen at home has to go. As does solo Christianity, which is actually an oxymoron. Because Christianity was never meant to be solo. He is calling all his people to be conduits of his agape love which is selfless, sacrificial, pursuing, and unconditional. I hear the Lord saying, this is not the call of some, but this is the call of all. So the challenge to us all is, are we willing to be conduits of His agape love? Are we willing to be conduits into Bundaberg and into this region and wherever else God calls us to go, are we willing to be conduits of His agape love, which is sacrificial, selfless, pursuing, and unconditional? For too long, Many have left the ministry to the few, but Lord, the Lord is flipping it on its head. It is about the few releasing the many. It is going from the, it is going from the many expecting the few to do it to the few releasing the many. Hands up who's anointed. Okay, so if you're a born-again believer, you're anointed. You are anointed. So hands up, who is anointed? 
You are graced, you are gifted, you have a purpose. And where the enemy has sought to muzzle you, where the enemy has sought to stop you, where the enemy has sought to put fear in you, uh, where, where the enemy has been speaking through your past, the Lord desires to release you fully from that, to be healed and whole, that you can be salt and light for him wherever you tread. People have always said in church, and I remember, I've been a pastor long enough now, why hasn't the pastor done this? Why hasn't he, why hasn't he done that? Why isn't this happening? And the Lord says to you that you are the answer. You know that person called someone else? Someone else will do it. I said a few weeks ago, I still haven't met that person. I've heard a lot about someone else, but I've never met them personally. You know, you are the answer. If you see a need, you feel the need. If God is stirring something, something on your heart, then maybe there's a new ministry. Maybe there's something new. Or maybe you're meant to join with someone else and start something. You are the answer. Amen? Discipleship. There is a return to discipleship. Because the key to breakthrough is every believer getting on the playing field. True discipleship. He's grabbing hold of someone or someone grabbing hold of you and say, come on, let's go. The best way you can learn to prophesy is by hanging out with people who have a prophetic gift. The best way you can learn to pray is to hang around with some people that you look at and go, man, they are prayers and I need what they've got. The best way to get into the Word of God is open the Word around your kitchen table with some people that you respect in the Lord and say, let's open the Word together. That is discipleship. And then we say, come on, let's go. I really believe that one of the keys to reaching families are words of knowledge and prophetic words spoken into the lives of unbelievers. That God gives you a word of knowledge and the person just goes, how did you know that? And you go, because God showed me. The God who knows the numbers of hairs on your head. I really believe that we're going to see more and more and more of those words of knowledge coming forth. Amen. We have to leave the old model of the few doing everything behind because the call is for the saints as a whole. The day, the Lord told me, the day of celebrity Christianity is over. You don't gather around a person, we gather around Jesus Christ. Because the true fivefold people will be giving of themselves in a sacrificial fathering and mothering way that will raise up sons and daughters who will in turn make disciples. How cool is that? Sacrificially investing, inputting, empowering, equipping other people so that they can go and make disciples. As I've said time and time again, let's just make something that's really big, really simple. If every single person here in this room today prayed and ministered to and witnessed to and led one person to the Lord in 2022, one person, if every believer in Bundaberg led one person to the Lord in 2022, the church would go from 2,500 people to 5,000 people in 12 months. The church would then go from 5,000 people to 10,000 people in another 12 months. And the church would go from 10,000 people to 20,000 people in another 12 months. That's in three or four short years, the, you know, there is transformation in Bundaberg. That has to be the model. And then you go, 
Our home group's getting too big. Well, that's great. Start another one. Invite some more people into your home and start another one. Have multiple home groups. Are we catching a vision here? Each part is needed. Isaiah 58, 12 just keeps speaking to me. It's been speaking to me for two years and, it's really, and it continues to speak to me. And it says, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and they will raise up the old age foundations and you will be called a repairer of broken walls and a restorer of streets with dwellings or a restorer of streets where people live. That's you. You're a restorer of streets where people live. Whatever street the Lord has placed you in, you are called to be a restorer of that street. Maybe you could start by praying, prayer walking up and down your street. If some of you live in a country, country lane, you probably have to get a bit fitter because you're going to have to walk further. <laughs> I want you to catch that vision. You are, a, you are a restorer of the street in which you live. Because God has anointed you and he's placed you there. Do you just live there because it was a nice place? Or maybe think about it this way. You live there because God put you there. Just a thought. You know, there's some verses of Scripture in, from Acts and John and Malachi and 1 John and 1 John 4. But I just want to read these couple of verses out of 1 Corinthians 3 because I was just meditating on them yesterday. I just love them. When you're speaking about love and you're speaking about family, you're speaking about discipleship. Because in, in 1 Corinthians 12, we read about body ministry, don't we? The gifts of the Spirit working together. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul talks particularly about tongues and prophecy. And in the middle of it, sandwiched together is his chapter on love. And he says, if I speak human or angelic tongues but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions and all I give over, um, and, oh, and if I give my body over in order to boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. For God's love is patient. It's kind. It does not envy. It's not boastful. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not irritable. That's a good one, isn't it? It's not irritable. Ooh. And love does not keep a record of wrongs. Wow, that's a big one right there, hey. Because how many times do you hear someone bringing up something from the past? But it says that God's love does not keep a record of wrongs. I liken it like a whiteboard. You know, you have all these record of wrongs, cross, 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 and you just go, <laughs> God's love does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness but it rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things because God's love never fails. How cool is that? Maybe go home and meditate on 1 Corinthians 13 for a while. There's some, so much 
So much in that. Anyway, I'm going to take too long if I stick too long. Um, The second point is the year of kingdom partnerships. Where the enemy has sought to keep different ministries separate through misunderstandings, offences and differences. The Lord is highlighting kingdom partnerships. Philippians 1 verses 3 to 5 says, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And that word for partnership is the same word that we use for fellowship, which is um, koinonia, which means mutual fellowship. I thank you for your mutual fellowship in the gospel. I see a picture of the vineyard and I see the Lord saying, as it's found in Isaiah 65 verse 8, the new wine is found in the cluster. There, You can't get much wine out of a single grape. The wine is found in the cluster. Isaiah 65 8. The enemy wants to keep people separate. He wants to keep ministries separate. He wants to keep fivefold ministries separate because there ain't much wine when you're just by yourself. But when you come together as part of the cluster, the new wine is found in the cluster. Amen. And he says all competition has to go because love and humility are the way forward. The separating of the fivefold ministries has separated Christ. Have we ever thought about that? That Christ was the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. The representation of all. And he gave some to be, and some to be, and some to be, and some to be. So when, when the fivefold ministries are not working together, we've actually divided Christ. And it's caused an immaturity in the body. Have you ever seen people that go to the gym, but all they work on is their upper body and not their legs? Have you seen that? That is really big upper body, but their legs are like chicken legs. And in fact, they get out of balance. Their back gets out and everything gets out because they're not, they're not building up the whole. It's true. It doesn't just have to be your upper body. You could focus on different aspects of your body. But it's true that if you only work on one part of your body and not the others, it comes out of balance and you actually get, you know, almost dislocated. It's the same spiritually, that if you only work on one aspect of who you are in Christ to the, to the neglect of the others, you come out of balance. We all need to know that we are anointed, that we are sent, that we are loved, that we are secure, that we are accepted. We all need to know that we can hear from God. And God is wanting to speak to you and through you. We, we all need to be able to share our faith. Amen? We all need the heart of a pastor that can love and care and has concern for other people. And we need to know that we can get into the Word of God for ourselves and the Holy Spirit can speak to us. And I've continued to say this, you know, those Sundays when we have sharing and testimony Sunday, I would love to see people come up and go, I was in the Word of God this week and I was in, um, you know, John chapter 1 and this is what God said. And you go, awesome. You don't need to speak for half an hour. You can just speak for a couple of minutes of what God has said, what God showed you in the Word. What an awesome thing. We need to get balance and maturity in the body. Amen. This is the challenge. 
The Lord says it's time for local fellowships to explore what the Lord is saying to them. For I see a coming together of fellowships and ministries where there has been a separateness. Because the Lord says that this is not time for church planning, but this is a planting, but this is the time for church unifying. That's a good one. And then this was good. I like this bit. I saw for those whose hearts are truly for the Lord and His kingdom that denominationalism will crumble. For, for those who hear the voice of the Lord will hear the call for them to unite and combine and the words, how can I help you, will become a phrase that you will hear more and more. How can I help you? How can I help you? How can I help you? Can you feel the Lord's heart on that? Whew. I actually believe across this nation that we'll actually see different fellowships actually unite. Same building. There's too many buildings out there that are only used like one or two days a week. What a waste of resources in the kingdom of God. Why don't we have buildings that are used seven days a week for all kinds of things? Just a thought. Then the Lord's um, brought me back to the book of Haggai. There's so much in the book of Haggai and I don't have time to unpack it all today. But here was the command from the Lord to rebuild the temple. And just like, we, like, we, like we're talking about in the physical, the, the natural, but we are the temple, amen? The people of God are the temple of God, spiritually speaking now. We are the temple. God's Spirit dwells within us, but within us. So there was a command to rebuild the temple. And the people said, the time has not yet come for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. God was saying, it's time for my house to be rebuilt. But the people were saying, it's not time for it to be rebuilt. Why? Sometimes we can just get complacent. We can just get comfortable. But you know what? It means sacrifice. To actually build something, it means sacrifice. And the Lord was actually saying to His people... You need to stop building your own kingdom and you start to need to build my kingdom. You need to stop building your own house and you, start to, and you need to start to build my house. That's where the challenge comes in. The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to live in your panelled luxury houses whilst my house remains a ruin? The Lord says, think carefully about your ways. You've planted much but harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough to be satisfied. You drink, but never have enough to be happy. You put on clothes, but you never have enough to get warm. The wage earner puts his, uh, puts his wage in, into a bag with a whole hole in it, and it disappears. You see, the focus is on self. I need more to eat. 
I need more to drink. I need more clothes. I need more of this. I need more of this. I need more of that. And when I was reading that, I was thinking about Matthew 6, when the Lord says, do not concern yourselves with these things, but seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. Amen. We want to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Amen. So the Lord says, think carefully about your ways. And then there was a response. I'm just kind of glossing over it. There, were, there, there, there was a response, and the entire remnant of the people came and started to rebuild the house of the Lord. So they heard the word of the Lord, and they, and they responded. And the Lord said, said to them, I am with you. And I feel that in my spirit, that the Lord is saying, for those that are willing to walk with me, for those that are willing to build, for those um, that are willing to trust me in these things, know this, I am with you. And there's a lovely promise that came with the rebuilding of the temple. And the Lord says in uh, chapter 2, it says, Once more I will shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake the nations and the treasures of the nations will come and I will fill this house with my glory. Do we hear that? If we commit ourselves to rebuilding... The temple of the Lord, that is the way that the Lord sees the church, the body, the people, and how we're meant to be. I will fill this house with my glory. I don't know about you, but I have that vision where we're here gathered one day and the glory of the Lord fills this place like it did in the temple and we all fall prostrate on the ground and no one has to do anything. Does anyone else want to dream with me? It's in the Scriptures. And the Lord says this, the greater, the final glory of this house will, will be greater than the first. I don't believe that the church is going out in a whimper. I believe the church of Jesus Christ is going out in victory. That the glory of the latter is greater than the glory of the former. We're not trying to hold ground waiting for the return of Jesus, but we're actually meant to have, have a faith and a hope and a mindset that says that we are overcomers, that we are more than conquerors, and we are going to see his kingdom advance until he comes. Is there an amen? Is there a big amen? I've just lost all my pages. Hang on. Can I just accent that? There, depending on your theology, is how you cope with these situations that we live in. If your theology is, you know, oh, we're just going through the great tribulations and we're just going to just hang on by our bare, you know, like fingernails and we're just hanging out for the return of Jesus, then you're just going to let everything come upon you because that's what you believe. But if you actually believe that we are seeing the kingdom of heaven advancing, that yes, Jesus is coming, but in the meantime, he says, occupy until I come. If we actually believe that, then we will actually be not trying to hold ground, but take ground. And that is what the Lord is wanting His church, to start to rise up and take ground. To not be dictated to anymore by the enemy, but to actually stand on the head of the enemy and say, enough is enough. And I'm, and I'm, praying, in to, I'm praying in that the church will begin to rise in this nation. That we would start to see hope like we've never seen hope before. We would start to see faith like we've never seen faith before. That we would start to see joy like we've never seen joy before. Because the enemy wants to steal your hope and your faith and your joy. 
I'm just going to skip over something and come back to it. Point number three, at the end I, I wrote this down because the Lord was impact, um, impressing this on my heart yesterday. Just as in Genesis, when the Lord said to Adam and Eve, so in Genesis 1, he says, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. That's what he said, amen? He was talking to them, you know, physically. That's what he said to them. He said, be fruitful and increase, multiply. Be like rabbits. Have lots of children. Have lots of children. Multiply it. Fill it. Subdue it. That's what he's saying. He's calling us to do the same spiritually. He is. If you don't believe that right now, then just tag on to what I believe. He's calling us to have that mindset that he spoke to Adam and Eve. But spiritually speaking, he's calling us to be fruitful and increase in number. Doesn't that sound like go and make disciples of nations? Fill the earth and subdue it. That is our role until he comes. Is there an amen? This is the year of dealing with heart issues. I won't be too much longer. People have, where the enemy has tacked the heart in various ways, the Lord is highlighting healing of the heart. For family and love and discipleship and all these things to manifest, the orphan spirit has to go from the church. There's been too many walking with an orphan spirit. People have discarded the biblical truths of submission and accountability to one another. I don't need anybody. But the Lord is saying, He wants to restore this. It's time for a clean, it's, it's, it's time for clean hands and a pure heart. A pure heart is the emphasis for this year. That is a heart that, that does not hold offence. It does not hold bitterness. It does not hold unforgiveness. It does not hold jealousy. It does not hold rejection, etc., etc., but is instead like clay in the hands of the master potter. Isn't that a beautiful picture? The healing of the heart will cause the raising of many sons. Where the enemy has sought to keep people in an orphan mindset, the Lord is removing the veil in our nation. Romans 8.19 states that creation is in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Creation is in eager expectation. Another translation says in birth pains, waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Many believers have seen themselves as servants but not sons. It's time for the sons, it obviously includes daughters, we understand that, to take ownership. Christians have been passive spectators and often have served from a place of a servant mindset, but the Lord is decreeing over his people today, I no longer, oh sorry, I do not call you servants any longer. For the servant does not know what his master is doing. This is from John 15, 15. But I call you my friends. Because I revealed to you everything that I've heard from my Father. 
Isn't that a beautiful picture? As the sons arise, they serve, but the heart and motive is different. They represent the Father as they serve from a mindset of love, acceptance and security, as well as in as an inheritance. For sons delight to serve, it is not a chore. They are secure and they delight to help others. And I heard the Lord emphasizing the parable of the prodigal son, not just in seeing the prodigals returning, but the need for the older son's hearts to shift from slavery to sonship. I'm just going to camp on that just for a couple of minutes before we move on. In Luke 15, the parable of the prodigal son. We're not going to get into the whole parable. I just want to focus on the, on the older son. The older son had seen his younger son, his uh, brother, his brother go off and squander everything, all, all his inheritance. He would have heard about what he was doing and how he was living. And then he saw that his father, his father that he was, he was faithful to, his father that he would do anything for, running out to meet this son in a distance, and he restored him. Sandals, ring, cloak, everything. He was fully restored. And he said, you're welcome. You know, um, you're welcome, my son. You're welcome. And there's this, and he, and he threw a party. And what did the older son do? He said he became angry. He said, this is, this is the orphan spirit right here. The orphan spirit cannot see someone else. being praised. It gets jealous. It gets envious. It doesn't enter in, but it stays separate from. There was a party going on celebrating the younger son, and the older son was over here going, hmm. The orphan spirit will always try and keep you separate from. You cannot enter into that same joy. And the Lord is wanting to heal the hearts of those, whether it's been through the upbringing of their father, or maybe someone hasn't had a father, or maybe it's through a bad religious experience or a church experience, whatever it is, where you, where there's something in you that feels like you had you 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 have to keep separate rather than being included. The Lord is saying, I want to heal that. That now is the time for it to be healed, so that you can enter in and become family with what I'm doing going forward. Amen. His mindset, because he was an orphan spirit, was that he was slaving. And this is what he said. He replied to his father, look, I have been slaving many years for you. And I've never disobeyed your orders. There's performance mentality. I've been a good boy. I've done everything you've said. I haven't done a thing wrong. I've, I've been the one who's been faithful. Performance mentality. Yet you never even gave me a goat. For my friends. But when this son of yours, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes and slaughtered the fattened calf, come, um, comes home, you slaughter the fattened calf for him. And the father says to the son, he says, son. See, that was his identity, not slave. Son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Do we see ourselves that way? The Father speaking over us, Son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. Soak in that one for a bit. 
You are his beloved. For you are in the beloved. The last two things. The year of breakthrough and overcoming. Does anyone like those words? Does anyone like the word breakthrough, overcoming? We will come into suddenlies. Our God is the God of suddenlies. There's always a delay, but then he comes suddenly. We're coming into a um, time of suddenlies. There have been battles over the past few years, and for some I would say even the past decade, and whilst there may be some more battles as we enter into this year, these battles will, will give way to breakthrough. I see more and more people overcoming various issues and overcoming various circumstances. They will be known as more than conquerors because they will carry the spoils of the battle with them. You know, that's what it means to be more than a conqueror. You don't just win the battle, you don't just win the fight, but you carry the spoils of war with you because you are more than a conqueror. You see that in the Old Testament, that Abraham or whoever, they'd go into battle and the spoils of war, they would carry the spoils with them, wouldn't they? Sheep, goats, pigs, people, gold, silver, whatever they'd carry, they'd carry the spoils of war with them. Well, that is the same spiritually. That when you go through something, when you go through a battle, when you go through a circumstance and you calm out as, uh, you know, breakthrough is more than a conqueror, you don't just come through that place, but you carry the spoils of what you've learned in that place and you take them with you. You are more than a conqueror. The Lord said, take heart, for he has overcome, and you will too. The promise in 2 Chronicles 16, 9 rings out as I was praying. For those who seek the Lord, the Lord will show himself strong. It says, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He will show himself strong on your behalf. 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 Your part is just to seek him. And he said to ask for an increase of discernment, faith, hope and joy, for do not allow the enemy to steal this. But he also placed an an emphasis on prayer and worship. The Lord said, in these battles, place a fresh emphasis on prayer and worship, for in prayer and worship, this will hand the battle to me. The church for too long has tried to stand in its own strength and its own wisdom, but there needs to be a return to dependence upon the Lord, and prayer and worship positions us in this way. And he brought the the account of um, Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20, when he said, this battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. You just need to stand. He um, brought the account in uh, Acts chapter 4 to me, when the church was said, do not speak anymore in the name of this Jesus, what did they do? They gathered together and they had a prayer meeting and they worshipped and God broke through in that circumstance. He brought the account of Paul and Silas in prison. When they were in prison, what did they do? They prayed and they worshipped. He And then he brought the account of, you know, Zerubbabel as they're rebuilding the temple. It is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by my spirit. There's patterns in Scripture. And when you see a pattern, you need to really grab hold of it. And one of the patterns is that prayer and worship is pivotal in the breakthrough. Amen? And the last thing,
Sorry, just having a moment. <laughs> it's probably the one thing that touched me the most. Oh. The year of reverence and awe. The year of reverence and awe. I believe we are entering into a time of restoring the balance. In the restoration of God's presence and glory among his people, there needs to be a return of the reverence and awe. For many years now, the, now intimacy has been the focus. And whilst it does not change because the call is still going out, return to your first love, return to your first love, return to your first love, return to your first love. The Lord is wanting to restore the balance, reverence and awe. I see the saints gathered. I saw a picture when I was praying. I saw the saints gathered declaring holy, 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 holy. And it wasn't out of religious duty. It wasn't out of anything that says, oh, I'm just doing it because everyone else is doing it. It was doing out of our hearts that were, that, that, that were positioned before him in reverence and awe. And we were saying, holy, holy, holy. The Lord has been bringing the account of Ananias and Sapphira to me of late. Oh. Have a read of that in Acts chapter 5, if you're not familiar with it. But I'll tell you what happened when Ananias and Sapphira died. There was reverence and awe. There was. Because they realized that afresh that God is God and there is no other. And you know what? I think we probably need to realize that. Yes, he has called us into intimacy. Yes, he's called us into relationship. Yes, he's called us into that, which is amazing. But he is still the one who is worthy of all praise and all glory and all honour. Amen. I close with the words that God has been speaking over the last few weeks, few months. With Psalm 27, grab hold of it, for this is a declaration for us all, because a greater manifestation of the goodness of God is on the way. Do you believe that? Hands up, who believes? Actually, let's stand. Who, who believes that there's a greater manifestation of the goodness of God on the way in this nation of Australia? David said this, hey, music team, you want to you come down the front? David said this, he said, I would have lost heart. You know, the circumstances that surrounded David at that time were pressing him. He was, he was facing pressure, he was facing a battle, and he said, I would have lost heart. You know, sometimes when we're in a battle, and if our focus is solely on the problems, that we, we, it's really easy to lose heart, isn't it? You be overcome by the problem. You be overcome by the circumstance because that's the focus. And David said, I would have lost heart except for this. That I believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 
There was something in him that said in spite of the circumstances that surround me at this point in time, that the, the, the God has placed a seed in me and that seed, is, that seed is saying that I will see the goodness of God in this land, that I will see breakthrough, that I will see breakthrough, that I will see breakthrough and my circumstances will shift and my circumstances will change. And indeed the direction of this nation will change. Because this nation has a purpose in the end time purposes of God. And we are not standing for defeat. We are standing to see the goodness of God manifested in this land. And the Lord is asking his sons and daughters, he says, will you come together and will you rise? Will you allow my glory to shine upon you? Will you allow me to manifest my goodness on you that you would be the salt and you would be the light and that you would be the ones that people would come to and say, what must I do to be saved? And so he says this, he says, wait on the Lord and that Hebrew word can also mean hope, can also mean trust. Trust in him, hope in him, wait upon him, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. God, I pray today that you would strengthen people's hearts. That you would strengthen people's hearts, God, particularly those that have been in the fierce of the battle, for those that have lost jobs, for those that are separated from family, for those whose circumstances don't look good. Maybe it's a health battle or a financial battle. God, I pray today that you would strengthen their hearts today in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would give them a word, you would give them a vision, you would give them a dream, God, because I want to thank you, God, that you're a God of breakthrough, that you're a God of breakthrough. You're the one who makes a way where there is no way. And God, we stand together today to declare your goodness in this land. We pray for our nation of Australia. We lift up our nation before your throne of grace today, O oh God. And we pray by your spirit that you would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers in Jesus' name. That there would be a turning and a returning of the church once again to Jesus Christ. That everything that would seek to uh, stop the moving of the spirit in this nation would be bound in Jesus' name. And that we would see the rivers of your love and the rivers of your grace and the rivers of your mercy flow in this nation, O oh God. And we thank you that you've called us all for such a time as this. Declare it over yourself. I am called for such a time as this. Oh, you might have to believe that a little bit more. Come on. I am called for such a time as this. I am called for such a time as this. Yes. Maybe turn to the person next to you and declare it over them. You are called for such a time as this. Such a time as this.